I'm going to admit I'm, I am that guy. I got one. And actually, since I, I decry New Year's re- resolutions, I don't like them. And I, and I did one. And I tried to call it something else. And in the end, it, it is my New Year's resolution. Like, like I'm stuck with it. But, but what we're talking about is this idea of, of how God provides for us to hit, hit reset. Um, because, when we go into the, this new year, right, and we say, oh, well, this year I will be in the gym, and I will exercise, and I will, or this year I will manage my money, and I will not, you know, or this year I will not fight with my wife ever again. And this, the fact of the matter is that, like, if I was the guy doing it beforehand, and all that happened between, like, last week and this week is I said I'm not doing it anymore, in all likelihood I'm going to keep doing it, right? I, uh, any of y'all who maybe quit smoking? I, I quit smoking years ago, and, and I remember I would I quit about a thousand times. I was really good at quitting. It was just the maintaining that was the problem. And, and a lot of the times we hit this point where we say, well, I'm going to quit doing this, and we quit, and then five minutes later we're doing it, um, or a week later we're doing it, or we maintain it. In fact, there's a statistic that like 80% of New Year's resolutions are broken by the end of the first month. So, you know, there you go. you got a month to, to suffer, and then you can go back to the way it was. Um, but my big resolution about, um, and I hate calling it that because I, I feel defeated when I say it, um, about, I don't know, five years ago, I, I, uh, I was uh, about 50 pounds lighter than I am now. And I, I remember I trained for a half marathon that I didn't get to run in. So I spent like six months getting ready to run this 13-mile race, and I didn't get to go. Um, but I was, I was thin, and I was fast, and I was in great shape, and I was healthy, and, and it was awesome. And then I started grad school, and Jess had a baby. And the greatest thing happened when Jess had a baby, right? She got pregnant, and, and she started cooking every day. And, and it, was like, it was like winning the lottery. And, and I gained a lot of sympathy weight. You know, and, and <laughs> it, it was so that she felt better about being pregnant. <laughs> that's, that's the story. Um, <laughs> I'm the only husband who ever did that, really. <laughs> and so, so I did all of this stuff, and then like, like grad school happened, and I, every year I didn't exercise, and I gained a little more weight, and I, and I find myself five years later, and I'm 50 pounds heavier, right? And I'm, I'm, I, I, I run really well to the fridge between commercials. <laughs> Um, and, and, um, and that, I mean, I mean, this is the place I found myself. And so I said, well, I'm going to lose weight. I have to lose weight. My cholesterol's too high and I gotta take this medicine that, that I don't like. And, and so I'm gonna fix all of this stuff. This is the goal. Low cholesterol, lots thinner, not gonna die when I'm 40. <laughs> Thank you for, like, not booing that. I appreciate, like, that. <laughs> This is a good sign in your wife. I, uh, <laughs> and so um, one of the things I did to do this, and by the way, I'm, this is also me inviting folks. Um, I'm going to run in a race in May, right? And Larry's going with me, right? And so there are two of us going, and anyone who wants to go with us is welcome. This is a, the, called a Spartan Sprint. It's in um, Kalispell. Um, and it's a four-mile race. It's not that tough. It's only four miles. Most of you guys have to go that far to get to your mailbox. Um, it's true. It's, I'm not making that up. Um, and, and there's mud involved, but it's Montana, so most of you guys have to go through mud to get to your mailbox anyway. Um, it's a four-mile race obstacle course, and, and I want to try and get a handful of guys to go with us. And so, like, this is the invitation. If you're interested, registering early is good. Um, and, and, and in pursuant of this, I've, I've started running, right? I have a treadmill. I run on my treadmill, and I, I've been doing push-ups, and I've been exercising. And, and, and I have this thing I'm doing where, like, 
I've got to reset, right? Like, i got to catch up to where I was, right? I probably could have, well, I surely could have run it five years ago. Like, definitely. I'm, there's no doubt in my mind. Five years ago, I could have done it. I probably could have done it for 10 miles. Like, no problem. Um, today, if I went and did it today, mm, not so much, right? I, I might make it to the starting line. <laughs> and then I'd jump on Larry's back and he'd carry me the rest of the way. Um, last week, we talked about this idea that, that our, our, you know, we have all of this past that we build up, right? Like, we build up our baggage. We have our sin. We have our, our, the things that we're ashamed of. We have the ways that we've wronged people. We have the ways that we've offended God. We've got all of this stuff. And fixing that, hitting the reset button, is as simple as, as accepting forgiveness from God, right? Because Jesus died for our sins, and literally, we become born again at that point when we say, well, I'm going to make my life about Jesus, and we, we become born again. We, be, we become new people. All of that stuff is gone, and you're a new person. It's not... I gotta work really, really hard to be forgiven, and then when I've reached the point that I've been good enough, then I get to go to heaven. It's not like that. Grace and forgiveness, instant, right? Born again, instant. The problem is that we have effects, right? Like spiritually, I might be clean and new, but physically, I'm carrying the, the, the consequences with me, right? Like I, I've repented of being an overeater, except for last night. Um, <laughs> but I have this physical effect. I have a number of habits I've got to get rid of, right? And I've got to sort of clean off the mess that I've, I've made of myself in the last five years. Um, and, and so in order to get there, I have to eat salad. Oh. An angel. <laughs> Just made angel food cake. It's like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? The name is deceiving. Angels. Jeez. Um. And so, and so, like, like, literally, um, I'm, I'm, you know, this is an analogy. So, the way this translated into our lives is, we might be born again, we might be made new, but we still have like the effects of our sins, right? Um, and that still sticks with us, and it becomes a process to strip all that stuff off. And we don't strip it off because, um, because it's fun, right? We don't strip it off because. Um, if we don't, like, then God won't love us. We don't, it's not about working our way into heaven. It's none of that stuff. It's, it's the process of making our outside look like our inside, right? Inside of me, I am Arnold Schwarzenegger in my heart. You know, or probably, <laughs> no, he's not a good example. Who's a good guy? I, I <laughs> Brad Pitt. I'll go back to Brad Pitt. In my heart, I am. <laughs> You want to let me know who I am, honey? I... <laughs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> in, in my heart, I am this guy, but i got to make those things match, right? And it, it, it takes work to get there. Ultimately, the reset button, as much as I love instant in life, right? I'm looking for the perfect pill that's going to make me thin. Um, I'm trying to make the perfect salad so I can eat it once and be buff when I'm done, right? <laughs> Actually, I eat spinach almost every day. It doesn't work. <laughs> if I ever run into Popeye, it's on. Um, <laughs> um, but getting there, it's not an instant process, right? I have to actually eat salads every day. And, like, it's firsthand salad. I know that, like, food eats salad for us so we don't have to, but it doesn't work. I can't, like, eat steak and assume that the salad that the beef ate, like, will work for me. I tried that yesterday. It didn't work. Um, I, I've got to actually eat salad every day, right? Um, Watching people, like, run on TV ain't doing it for me. And the one time I ran on the treadmill wasn't enough, right? How do I do it? I get on that dumb thing every day, and I do it, right? 
it's a process, and I get there. Does that mean that, um, well, all right, we're going to look at um, a particular verse here, 2 Corinthians 5.14. If you've got a Bible, you should follow along. Um, and and we're going to kind of work our way through 2 Corinthians 5 today. Um, we're going to start in 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and who rose again on their behalf. Reading Paul is fun, isn't it? <laughs> it's like a word scramble. Um, and so we're going to take this bit by bit because it, it makes it easier. Um, for starters, what just happened? Um, okay. Uh, when it talks about Christ's love here, right, there are two things going on. First off, um, Paul is talking about, he says, listen, I've been born again. Jesus died for my sins. I'm born again. I'm a new creation in Christ, right? And because Christ loved me, I'm compelled to live a certain way, right? It also can mean, because I love Jesus, I'm compelled to live in a certain way. Like the way it's written in Greek, there are different forms, which is sort of funny. English doesn't have like the, the, the different forms like they do in Greek. The Greek is actually written in a really ambiguous way where it can mean both. It can mean Jesus loves me, therefore, or I love Jesus, therefore, or both. And in this instance, it's probably the case that Paul is talking about both. Because Christ loved me, I can be a new person, right? Um, and because I can be forgiven, I don't know about any of you guys, i got a pile of skeletons that I don't want anybody to see, Right? And, and God looks at that pile of skeletons, he says, I love you anyway, and I'll go any distance to be with you. And that's something, right? Um, to kind of compare, there are days that I, I wake up and I think, wow, I can't believe my wife still loves me. You know, and, and because she loves me, I want to live up to that. Thanks for nodding emphatically and not saying amen. Um, <laughs> um, because Jesus loves me despite who I am, I, I want to make right, right? Um, and so first Jesus loves us, and then we do our best to love him back. And we do our best to walk that way. And so the very beginning of it is this Christ love thing. And I, I can't see, oh, there it is. Um, and so this is a back and forth thing. Um, this is compel. The word compel means I don't have a choice. Everybody with me? Um, so when Paul says that I'm compelled by the love of Jesus, he's not saying I feel like I have to. He's saying this is something I have to do, Right? I do not have an option in this regard. Um, it's easy to think of compelled in regards to sin, right? And he is, well, like angel food cake. Or my wife made this great angel food cake with strawberries to pour over it. And she made whipped cream out of whipping cream instead of that awful, like, chemical mess in the bucket. Um, cool whip. Yeah, that's right, I said it. Um, and, and I felt compelled. I kept walking by it, and I'd look at it, and I'd be like, yoink. You know, I just need a little more of the cake. And maybe I'll wipe out the inside of the blender with the cake and make sure I get all that whipped cream out of there. And I, I was thinking, I really shouldn't be doing this, but I really wanted to do it, right? I was compelled. Um, when I, some of you guys maybe have quit smoking. When I quit smoking, I, I felt compelled to go back all the time, right? You'd think, oh, I'm going nuts. I need to have another one. And, and it was a mess just to come back and say, I'm not doing it anymore, right? Um, um compelled, Paul is talking about something he has no choice but to do. And so for Paul, living in a way that's different than the way he used to live isn't something that he has a choice about. It's something that he's driven to do. And in our culture, this gets lost really quickly when we start forgetting about our sin, right? 
I know I'm forgiven, right? But I know I continue to sin. Anybody here not continuing to sin? At least occasionally. Anybody lying right now? All right. Um, <laughs> and, and so even when I consider my own sin, I say, you know what? I'm still doing this mess. I'm, it compels me to work harder in this direction, to work harder toward overcoming sin, which is something of my own flesh I'm not going to be able to do. Um, if you want to, this sermon, I've written it twice this week. I was talking to somebody about this. Um, originally, I was looking at Galatians 6. And if you want to have a great reading, sit down and read Galatians 6. It talks about how five. Thank you, honey. Um, <laughs> she's teleprompting me from back there. Um, in Galatians 5, um, it talks about this idea that we walk in the Spirit. When I overcome sin, I overcome sin because the Holy Spirit's in me, right? God enables me. It's a little like um, I'm dieting and I'm dieting effectively because the Holy Spirit's doing it for me, right? Except he's not. Anyway, um, so back to 14 and 15 here. Um, Christ's love causes Paul to live a life that's something for something other than himself. Like, like Jesus' love shifts us from this place where we're no longer egocentric. You know what egocentric means? It's all about me, right? To where we begin to live Christocentric. And Christocentric means where Jesus is in the middle, right? Um, egocentric says... Um, I could help you out, but it's a lot of work, right? Egocentric says, I could not, well, i got to be careful how I say this. Egocentric says it's all about me. It says, um, I know I'm married. I know I have responsibility to take care of the baby. I know I have responsibility to take care of my wife. But I would much rather watch TV because it's comfortable, right? Um, I really know the baby needs her diaper change, but I bet if I sit here long enough, Jess will give in first. Um, there are bigger sins that this connects to. Oftentimes you see this with husbands who will um, become addicted to, or become involved in, in visiting the adult websites, right? And they'll say, well, I know I shouldn't. I know it's probably not right by my wife, but, you know, this is something I enjoy. She should be okay with this. I'm not hurting her. You know, that's egocentric, right? Christocentric shifts in the direction of, um, I'm doing wrong by Jesus if I do this, Right? I, Jesus calls me to live this way, and so this is the way I'll live. Um, when I am the center of my world, um, I'm always going to live in a way that's offensive to God. And, and as we become born again, as God makes us new, we shift away from that, it's all about me, to the it's all about Jesus position. Everybody with me? Um, we're going to, oh, uh, kind of an oddball phrase in here. Christ died for all, therefore all died. That's in verse 15. Um, because Christ died for our sins, our sinful selves die off, right? So Jesus is, is crucified. He's tortured. He dies. And this part of me that was evil goes with him, dies, right? Literally, like, like is gone and buried and no longer is alive in me, um, this is, this is the beginning of what he's talking about. He's not saying that everybody physically dies because Jesus died. Um, he's saying, listen, because Jesus died for me, this old way, this old Eric is gone. Um, after that, we see um, the effects of it are we live different, right? Um, because this old part of us is gone and this new part of us comes along. Um, Going on to verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet not we know him in, 
Yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if everyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Okay, bit by bit here. Therefore, we now recognize no one according to the flesh. When Paul talks about the flesh, he's talking about the sinful part of me, right? The flesh says, all about me, right? The flesh says, you know, I I want that and I should have it. And there's no reason I shouldn't have it. I should have whatever I want, whenever I want. And I should have it now, right? This is the flesh. The flesh is the sinful part. The flesh says... Go back and do whatever you want. Um, that's the flesh. And Paul is saying, listen, um, now that we're in Christ, the flesh sort of like takes the back seat and we begin to see things differently, right? Um, it, it's interesting that, that um, I'll talk with folks um, or I'll, I'll read, a lot of times you read this, where, where people will say, oh, well, Bible's nonsense. Or um, this Jesus person, not real. Or there was a, was it Lawrence O'Donnell? Do you guys watch the news? MSNBC, he did this whole speech about how the Bible was ridiculous and it shouldn't be a part of the the inauguration anymore. <laughs> really? The whole thing is, yeah, nobody takes it seriously. Nobody nobody believes any of this stuff anyway. We should just get rid of it. And, and in the end, the problem is he's looking at it according to the flesh. His sin says, this is the way I want it to be. And so he puts it on the back seat, right? Um, when you look at things that are spiritual, according to the flesh, you, you don't see what's really going on. You see things like like dented um, or impaired by um, by your flesh. And I would compare it to, uh, have any of you guys ever, I don't know, um, driven after a snowstorm and, and you don't have any windshield wiper fluid? You know what I'm talking about? And you get behind that truck that's spitting up dirt and like about two minutes later you have to roll the window down and hang your head out so you can see? You know, because your windshield is covered in that that grime. You know what I'm talking about? It's worse in the Midwest because they use salt. Fortunately, they don't use salt here because there's salt everywhere, and the salt gets on your windshield, and like like you just literally you become blind. Um, sin becomes like this layer of film over our vision. Right? We look at Jesus and we say, "Well, Jesus, pretty good teacher, pretty good guy." Um, maybe didn't exist, maybe this, maybe that, and we start throwing in these these extras. And ultimately, we're not looking at it according to the spiritual self, this new life that we're given. We can only see it through this new life. Otherwise, we're blind to it. That's something that Peter, Peter hears from Jesus. Um, and Jesus says, well, who do people say I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, you didn't say this by your flesh, you said it by the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit made him able to see who Jesus really was. In the same way, in our flesh, we don't don't see stuff. We become blind and dumb. Um, we become so busy focusing on ourselves and what we want that we begin to fail to see what God is doing. Everybody still with me? All right. Um, I assume the no responses is better than snoring. Um, <laughs> Um, so we no longer see things from the perspective of the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, meaning we used to see Jesus that way, right? Paul especially, Paul was opposed to Christ, he killed Christians, um, and he used to see him that way. Now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Um, the old is gone and the new has come. Literally, we become a new person. The flesh still has to be dealt with, right? Galatians 6, I read it when you get home. Um, Galatians 6 talks about crucifying the flesh daily, right? Every day I get up and I have to put some of this stuff away. Um, and, and sometimes you say, well, but that's not fun, right? Um, I don't like to not gossip. Anybody here really enjoy gossiping? Is it just me? Um, 
Really? It is just me? Um, and you, you meet someone and you talk to them and you think, oh, I could tell them this story about the neighbor. And you think, oh, I really shouldn't do that because gossiping is sinful. I really, really shouldn't be talking about folks who ain't sitting in the room with me. I really shouldn't be trash-talking this guy, or I really shouldn't be trash-talking that guy. You should really hold that back. And it's just not all that fun. You know what I mean? Um, or you think, wow, I really want to spend my money on this, but it's not the right way to spend my money. Um, I, I knew guys in Indiana who would buy a car every year. Um, and I, I actually knew this great guy, really nice guy, and he, he kept driving past this used car lot, and he's got $60,000 in debt, and he's trying to dig himself out of it, and every day he drives by his used car lot and sees this Toyota pickup truck. And he says, oh, I want it. And, and he talked to me about it. He's like, I know I shouldn't buy it because I don't have any money, and I'm going bankrupt, but I really want this truck. And I said, well, you know, you've got to make a decision about what it is God wants you to do. Does he want you to live in debt, or do you, does he want you to live different? Said, but I really want it. I really want it. And I was like, well, it's probably okay. You can't afford it. You're never going to get credit to buy it. It's like, you're right. I, I never will. And he comes in the next day with the truck, and he bought it with his student loans. <laughs> and I asked her, I was like, so you want to get your retirement fund out and buy candy with it now? Or what are we doing? Um, but what was it? It was, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. And didn't Denying the flesh hurts, right? Any of you guys ever say no to something you really want? <laughs> you really want it, and there's this part of you that says, I gotta have that. I gotta have it, I gotta have it. And then not doing it, it hurts. And and the process of not doing it is how we overcome the flesh. Or actually there are other ways going against it. I, I'm kind of a greedy person. I, I keep saying these bad things about me, but these are you know, I I like stuff, right? I like toys. I buy, you know, toys and I play with them and it's great. It's awesome being a guy. Um, I'm going to blame it on that. Um, I, I, I love this stuff and it, it's not my natural inclination to give things away, right? Um, but something I learned years ago as a part of spiritual like response to my desire to have things is giving things away. Why? Because there's a part of me that says I want everything and in order to knock that back, what do I do? I give. Right, um, there was a couple of guys that, that tried to get me fired a few years ago from the job I was I was doing. Right, and um, I man, I went home every night and I was chomping nails. I was so angry at them. Anybody ever know someone like that? Is it just me? <laughs> Anybody sitting next to someone? Like, anyway, no, don't point. Um, <laughs> and. And um, I called up a guy who was a spiritual advisor of mine, and I said, hey, can I pray for God to squish him? <laughs> you know, is, is there anything I can do here? And he's like, wow, well, so what are you doing? Like, you know, how, how long have you been praying for him? I said, I'm not praying for those guys. I'm like, well, there's your problem. That's the first thing Jesus says to do, right? Pray for people who persecute you. So if you're not praying for him, you're stuck. Let me tell you how much fun it wasn't praying for those guys. Anybody ever prayed for somebody who really wronged you? And it hurts almost, right? And actually, I had first started, I'd pray really mean things for him. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, this is years ago. It wasn't yesterday. Larry, no. I'm <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, and it, you know, and, and, and I real quick figured out, wait a minute, I can't pray for, you know, that to happen. I really should be praying for good things for him. And, and the craziest thing happened. I started praying for good things for him, and I actually, my attitude changed in slow increments, right? Um, very, very, very slowly. And I'll tell you how that happened. The first guy I started praying for him, and something great happened for him. 
And I was like, holy mess, God answered my prayer. And he, this great thing that happened to him caused him to leave the company. He was gone. Yeah. <laughs> the other guy stayed, and I prayed for him every day. I mean, every, every day. And one terrible thing after another happened to him. <laughs> and it just got worse and worse, and I thought, maybe I shouldn't be praying for him. Like, what do I do here? And I literally, like, every day I'm praying for this guy, and and his, you know, his family members are dying, and divorced, and his job starts disintegrating, and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse, and, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, I, I gotta keep praying for him, I gotta have faith in this, I gotta keep praying, and in the end, he met Jesus. Like, through this whole series of awful things that happened, he met Jesus. And the whole time, every time something bad would happen to him, I wasn't thinking, yeah, that big jerk, <laughs> he had it coming, God is getting him because he was messing with me. I was thinking, really, Jesus, what's going to happen now? Why? Because my heart changed. And when he met Jesus, to be honest with you, I didn't really care that he had wronged me before. Um, that did take years, right? Um, at the end of the day, like... Like, getting rid of this old way of seeing this flesh, right? Cleaning your windshield off so you can see the road ahead of you the way the way it is instead of the way that the garbage, you know, the sin prevents us from seeing it, right? Um, it takes work. It takes spiritual pursuit. It takes discipline. The first step of it, by the way, this is Galatians 6 again, if you want to read it, is filling yourself up with the Spirit, right? How do we fill up with the Spirit? Well, you read the Word, Right? Every day, every day, every day. It's not like the magic salad, right? I ate the magic salad once and I'm buff. It's every day, every day, every day. How do I give the spirit control of my life? How do I hit reset button on my, on my sinful tendencies? Read the word every day, every day, every day. And the spirit infests me and I become different. And slowly, 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 but surely, my outside starts to match my inside because inside I'm born again in a new creation, right? Outside, I'm wicked, right? I am. I don't know about you guys, I am. I'm good at it. Um, and it's hard to not be it. But every day we work at it and it changes us. Um, Paul talks about this idea of striving for something that's ahead of us, right? Um, I've not yet become what Jesus made me to be. Um, now, mind you, it starts on the inside, and slowly the inside makes us desire to change, and it slowly changes the outside, right? A lot of times in our culture, we think, I want to be a certain way, and so what am I going to do? I'm going to dress that way, right? Or I'm going to take on that stuff, and then I'll be that person. I know a lot of people who become Christians, and the first thing they did was they went out and they bought the most expensive Bible they could find. They started listening to Christian music, and they started going to um, church, and they never read their Bible, and they never, you know, like, acted different. And there was no fruit that came out of it, but they had all the trappings of Christianity, right? At the end of the day, that's trying to make the outside affect the inside, right? But if I paint a rotted egg, a rotten egg, if I paint a rotten egg, it's still a rotten egg, right? Um, if I paint my house and the inside's burnt out, or to borrow a phrase from Jesus, right? If I go out and whitewash a tomb, still a tomb. Um, and ultimately our hearts are tombs until Christ brings new life. Um, 18 and 19 um, now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to him through Jesus Christ and gave us the ministry of reconcili reconciliation, namely that, Christ, that God... Wow, you ever have trouble reading suddenly? Um, 
namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Okay, there's another like word jumble because it's Paul, and that's what he does. Um, reconciliation means to be made right again, right? So if my wife and I were to separate, the first thing that would happen is the house would fall apart and I would be dirty all the time. Um, the second thing that would happen is I would try and go and get her to reconcile with me, right? And you reconcile when she says, yes, I'll come back, and we agree to work things out, right? Um, reconciliation in this setting is we were all dead in sin. We're all separate from God. Actually, Jesus goes so far as, or is it Paul? Paul goes so far as to say that we're enemies of God when we're in sin, right? Like, literally, we're enemies. You know, we, we, we are his opponents. Um, and when God reconciles us, he reconciles us through his work, and we be, we're made new, and then we're given a job. That job is to take that message elsewhere, right? Um, I get reconciliation, and the job I have is to go out and share reconciliation with other people, which is what we're going to talk about next week and the week after, which will be hitting the reset button on family and hitting the reset button on the world around you, right? How do you reset this mess that tends to happen? Um, this week and last week, we talked about us. If you don't start with you, ain't no point, Right? I used to say that a lot with um, at Basher. You'd get these kids who are drug addicts, and they'd say, well, my mom is a drug addict. i got to get out of here so I can go take care of her. And they'd say, look, you know, if you can't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of anyone else, right? The best thing you can do for someone else is to get right yourself. The best thing you can do for your family, the best thing you can do for your community is to be made new in Christ and to go through this process. It's called sanctification, by the way. That's the big $10 word for it. Sanctification is when God strips away all the mess. Um, to give you an example of this, and I'm about done here. Um, anybody read uh, The Line, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Where are you? <laughs> See you ducking down. The Line, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You know there's more than one book in that series, right? Yeah, seven. Um, the one that they just made a movie out of was uh, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Anybody see that movie? Anybody not know at all what I'm talking about? Um, C.S. Lewis was an author. He wrote a collection of children's books. They're all biblical allegories. They're books about the Bible that are just they're stories about children going to a make-believe land and, and all this stuff. And it, it literally, like, it translates into scripture stories. Um, and, and there's a character in Voyage of the Dawn Treader named Eustace, right? And Eustace is the little bro, or the little cousin of, of the main characters. And he's obnoxious, and he's bratty, and he's, he's horrible, right? Um, and, and he ends up going to Narnia, which is this land they go to, right? And he's in Narnia with them, and, and Eustace is a jerk the whole time, and everybody hates him because he's a jerk, right? And, and they're out on this island, and he, he goes out in this island, and he finds a big pile of gold, right? And he, he's like, I'm rich. This is awesome. And he goes to sleep on this pile of gold, and he thinks about money and how awesome he is and how great it'll be to be wealthy. And when he wakes up, he's turned into a dragon. And the book explains, if you think thoughts every day when you go to bed, right, eventually you're going to turn into what it is that you're thinking. You're going to turn into a monster. By the way, this translates really well. Anybody ever go to bed thinking about how ticked off they are at certain people? Or how much they hate certain people? Or how lustily they think after certain people? Or how, you know, just go ahead and plug in this in, right? We go to bed every night, we fill our head with that. Eventually you're going to wake up and you're going to become something you didn't intend to be, right? That big jerk who you deal with at work or that big jerk that you encounter every day, he didn't 
he wasn't born that way. He became that way over time. People who become addicted to pornography or people who become addicted to all, like all this like garbage, that happens over time. And it happens by filling your head with that nonsense and having it infect your heart. And you become that eventually. And that's what happens to Eustace in the story, right? He becomes a dragon. And Aslan, who's like Jesus in the story, right? Aslan approaches him at the end of the book and he says, I can get rid of this. He's like, please do. I don't want to be a dragon anymore. And, and Aslan says, you ain't going to enjoy it. He's like, whatever I have to do, I'll do it, right? And he says, well, grit your teeth then. This is paraphrasing. C.S. was a better writer than I am. Um, and Aslan literally like strips the dragon off him with his claws, right? And it's like really unpleasant. The same is the case of our sin and our flesh, right? Like the sinful part of me, me getting rid of that, it's awful. It hurts, right? Me getting rid of my greed, me getting rid of my self-centeredness, um, Y'all getting rid of like whatever it is that you carry around that's your sin that makes the outside different from the inside, right? The inside is new in Christ. The outside is what it is. Sometimes it's a dragon. You know who you are, probably. Um, getting rid of that mess is hard. It's miserable. And it's every day, every day, every day. Every day, you know, like the salad and the treadmill. We work at it every day. We strive to be Christ-like. Um, and it's hard. It's really hard. Um, my, my challenge for you this week as we, uh, as we close in prayer is, is for you to look at your heart today and ask yourself, like, like, how much does the inside of me reflect the outside? Like, am I a new creation inside and a dragon on the outside? Like, am I born again and pure and new in Christ, inside and self-centered and horrible on the outside? Am I on my way but still carrying sin? Um, have I stopped paying attention to my sin because I think I got it nailed down? That's a dangerous place to be, right? Um, where am I at? What do I have to do to make these things match? Um, and understand... It's Jesus who does this in us. Even awareness that you have work to do is a product of the Holy Spirit moving in your heart. We can listen or we cannot. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that uh, you would be with us today. Help us to um, be dependent on you. Help us to be new creations in Christ. And help us to look to you in all things just for, for the movement of your Spirit. Um, I pray that you would pour your Spirit on this congregation today and help them to be folks that... that um, are born again inside and out. In Christ's name, amen. And we're going to close with one more song. Oh, I'm going to give Brooke the iPad. No, he owns his own, but whatever. <laughs> This is the greatest thing in the world. Did you know that it's the words are really big, and they are they're they're in different colors. I that's the greatest it's the greatest thing in the world, and and Jessica controls it. <laughs> okay, we'll do. Go ahead and stand up. We'll do farther along, and it really does um, go right along with the with the. Um, with the sermon here, you know, because we want to have it right right now. And yet, farther along, all of a sudden we're going to understand a lot of what's going on. That what we go through, I mean, all that stuff that he's stripping off of us, we'll understand that. 
tempted and tried, we're off made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long, while there are others living about us, never molested. My brother, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Tempted and tried, how off we new question why we must suffer year after walked in God's holy fear. Farther along we'll know more about it. Farther along we'll understand why. Cheer up my brother live in the sunshine. We'll understand our time to labor and wait, then will our toiling seem be to nothing, when we shall pass through heavenly gate, farther along with My brother, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Soon we will see our dear loving Savior. Hear the last trumpet sound through the sky. Then we will meet those gone on before us. Then we shall know and understand why. Farther along we'll know all about it. Farther along we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by.
close with a blessing. Uh, um, this, is, this is from First uh, Corinthians 9. Um, do you not know that all that run in a race run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all they do. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but an, we do it to receive an imperishable. As you go out of here today, run in a way to receive things that don't ever go away. Amen.